This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Well, this is just something I worked up. Uh, I'll do it for you. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Hello, I'm Jake, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast, the podcast where we take a play or film that has never been staged before or is never likely to be staged again, and we talk about how we stage it. As always, I'm joined by Caleb. Hello. And this week we're joined by a man with many strings to his bow. He is a production manager, he's a producer, he's a fly man, whatever you want. This is Harvey Doll. Hi. <laughs> and this week we are talking about Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Interesting one. Fuzz. The first in the Quinesa trilogy? Second. Second in the Quinesa trilogy. There we go. So I don't know any of these things. Oh, but you know, we're, we're communicating, we're Directed educating. Directed by Edgar Wright, written by him and Simon Pegg, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and then all the other people that usually so, show up yeah. in these films. Yeah. Um, I just, love Bill Nye's two scenes. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> like, there's such a star-studded cast before they were, like, actual stars. Yeah. It's gr- looks like yeah, a great it's kind of... It's very cool. Casting. Um, Harvey. Before we move on any further, do you yes. want to give us a little lowdown of what Hot Fuzz is all about? Yes, so Hot Fuzz is about a London sort of policeman called Nicholas Sargent who is extremely good at his job, almost too good, and everyone there wants to send him off to a remote little village. So they do, and he gets promoted there to Sergeant, and in this village he notices some things aren't quite right. And as, as he sort of goes about his police business, he notices people start going missing... And, in fact, later on in the film, he even watches them be murdered in front of him. And he's trying to figure out why this is. And he comes to the conclusion that um, it must be because of this motorway that is being built and all the townspeople are trying to stop it happening. And then he kind of... he's That's kind of half right. So he kind of investigates that more. And it turns out that the whole village is basically part of this kind of cult that is slowly killing people that they don't like in order to win their Best Village of the Year award for the last however many years they've been winning it. So yeah, it's a it's a, quite an action-packed kind of comedy of just absurdity. Yeah, because yeah. that takes us about two thirds way through, and then the rest of the movie is just them killing them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's um, like one one by one he just or kills, maiming them. Yeah, as yeah. much as we like. And alongside that is obviously so Simon Pegg plays the the. Uh, Yes, Sergeant. Ni- Nicholas Sargent. Yeah. Yeah. Nicholas Angel. Nicholas name. Angel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and uh, Nick Frost plays what ends up being his kind of partner, um, and uh, it's kind of a story about a sort of buddy cop, sort of friendship story between mm-hmm. them, um, and, and yeah, that's a kind of other element to it alongside the investigation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty good summary. So we're going to put this onto our hypothetical stage. What kind of stage are we thinking for this? It is. I mean, we were just talking off pod a second ago about how much this film is a film in the sense that it does all the things that that really only a film in that art form can do so we might want to change some stuff up we want to work out how we're going to get all this movement into it with all the chases that we have and all the violence that it has what kind of space is appropriate for that do we think yeah i was i was kind of going through through a few and i thought maybe one of the more sort of large-scale modern venues could work quite well with it so where where you can have quite a dynamic set and space but it still has that kind of audience sitting in one fixed space so you can control what they're reviewing, mm. a bit like a film does with a camera. You, like, you can have a very specific thing that the audience is seeing and isn't seeing, so you have that kind of dynamic 
Mm, interesting. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I I thought about perhaps promenade as a space, but I suppose in some ways you actually have less control over. Mm. Uh, they over they can look space. everywhere, and I feel that you need to be very very clever with what you're hiding and what you're not, especially with how many of the very creative killings there are in this. You need to be able to find a way to more easily hide that, and especially with all the chases and stuff. That would probably work better in a promenade because you have more space. But you can still adapt that to a stage sort of setting and have it still be that sort of high intensity thing. I think. Yeah, I think if I'm thinking about promenade, the thing like the thing that comes to mind for me is is uh, the Great Gatsby. There's a promenade production in London yeah. in uh, in a warehouse somewhere, and what what they do is they essentially assume you already know the plot. Yeah. And so then you can just explore the area and you see little scenes and you'll and you'll miss others. And actually, probably, if you didn't know anything about what was going on, you probably wouldn't understand it. But because everyone knows the plot, you're able to follow and you get your own little intimate moments and that's really cool. Maybe, perhaps, this plot is well-known enough. Probably isn't, but say it was. We could say, have it as just the church fate. We could set it all at the church fate, have it all happen at once. Yes. And everyone could be in that space, in that promenade space. And then maybe you wouldn't see every murder. You just hear about enough from other people. Yeah. There'd be repetition enough that you have to hear. I think that could work. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think condensing it down into sort of that short time period would kind of what you have to do if you try to take down that route. But I think, as you, as you said, you, in promenade, you do miss some things and you just hear, hear about them. But with with this plot, I feel like it's been written and constructed in such a way that almost every single thing that happens is very important to the overall mm. conclusion at the end. So if you do miss something, I think you're kind of losing a bit of the what's special about the script and what's special about what's actual the story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so tightly wound as a film, and like you say, that that idea about controlling the point of view of the audience is mm. like it's so specific in what information we as the audience are given throughout, how we're given it. Um, and even in terms of like what jokes you might get by the end and what payoffs there are yeah. um, is so specific in that that yeah you would kind of need it to be in a kind of constructed space like that and probably end on as well in terms of space yeah end on or very very slightly in a thrust I think I, the, way, the way I had it in my head is that especially with the car chase and stuff you could have a built, built up police car because that's the only one you actually need to see and have it on a track that goes sort of in over the thrust and like kind of closer to the audience so mm. it blocks some of the view of the audience so they kind of get that more sort of rushed feeling about it when something's closer mm. to you you lose a lot of the sort of surroundings and you can do a lot with lighting and sound I think to mm. make it feel a bit sort of less like you're in a enclosed space yeah That's, okay. yeah I hadn't even thought about that and there's so many transitions in, in the film that use like lights specifically on the screen to kind of conceal what's going on behind yeah. it you could definitely use like blinders to, to conceal different yeah, things definitely. like that, yeah. Yeah, those things are really theatrical. There are real, real moments where, like, every time... I mean, in my book, I've called him the hooded fuck, but, like, yeah. the, the, the hooded figure that murders everyone... Well, it, it might be the same person, might be different people, we're not really yeah. sure. Um, they have a red light on them. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And it's, it's very... That yeah. is very theatrical. Yeah, yeah. And uh, every time uh, Simon Pegg's character is doing a police thing you get this kind of like marching drum music in the background Mm. Um, he has kind of his own motifs um, and sometimes a villager will say something that seems quite mundane but the music will go and I I really like all of that stuff it's very theatrical I I wonder whether you could do it where you have a a live band as well that kind of play a sort of live score yeah that could and because then you could play on the reactions of the audience as well because I think the play could even break the fourth wall with 
Um, Nick, the, the, the Nick Frost character. Yeah. Because he is just such a sort of ball of energy and comedy that that could be kind of a link between that the audience is actually seeing it from his point of view and he's, in, he's sort of interacting with the audience as if it were mm-hmm. himself. And that also gives a way to explain away some of the plot contrivances that only film can kind of yeah. explain. And that really works with his character because he has some information that Angel doesn't have, but then he has some, there's some information that he thinks he has, but he doesn't have. Yeah. It turns out he doesn't have at the end. Yeah, exactly. So you could, doing it from, from his perspective, you can kind of give a little bit of dramatic irony, but then still hold off the real revelations until the end of the play. Yeah. Okay, putting all, all we've said together, <laughs> I'm going to throw a really bizarre <laughs> possibility out. How about this is, we do it end on, as we've said, um, or in a traditional proscenium space, and, but the premise of the play is that this is a play within a play. So the premise is is that we are at a village fate or at kind of the village performance of the local play and they're putting on a they're putting on the play. But then actually this murder stuff is real and it kind of bursts through the seams of that. It's very complex. There's, there's, well, all, there's, also, a scene, there's also a scene in the film yeah. where they are putting on a play. That's what I'm just thinking. <laughs> play within a play within a play. That's it just madness. gets so nested. Okay, interesting. So, hold on. So you're saying... So what's, what is the play within the play? So the play within the play is something like... Some, like, silly murder mystery play. Mm. Right? Okay. Okay. But off stage slash on stage, yeah. people are really getting murdered. Just around just around that plate. Yeah. Maybe maybe as part of it. As it, it seems like they're fake murders, but they're real. And it, right. and, but it, but it's still the same conspiracy thing. I am changing it off track quite I'm realising yes. this is just a completely different thing entirely. Yeah. I mean a very exciting Yeah, thing. I love the idea. I, I think the thing is with especially this this film, the way that the script progresses yeah. means that as if if you have everything condensed into one, you lose that kind of very conspiratorial nature that everything's happening as part of a plan rather than yeah. everything all happening at once and it's all very chaotic and it's kind of just like that's I think true. It love almost like a fast, doesn't it? Yeah. And it what I love about it as well is that there's a set, like there's a we're presented with investigation, which mm. you never actually. Mm often get in these kinds of cop films and cop shows we see like Angel doing his paperwork and stuff like that because yeah, it's so yeah. good it's yeah, so in, in, most, in most films you get someone just hopping to a conclusion like that's the right one immediately whereas he actually like, you have to see him do the work well it plays on that there's yeah. that thing where it, there's a there's a you hear the audio of them going the murderers no, just one murderer. The murderers, just one murderer. And it goes over yeah. and over and over. And then he goes, oh, maybe there's more than one murderer. And he's yeah. right, but it seems like he's wrong for at least 10 minutes yeah. after that. Yeah. And I really like that. It just uses those tropes so yeah. well. Yeah. I think what would be... Okay, so let's... I really like your idea, Jake, which is kind of a murder mystery crossed with noises off. I'm at- <laughs> Yes. yes. Let's take a step back towards Hot Fuzz for a second, right? I like the okay. If we're using like a live band that plays the music, uses the audience, uses what's happening. Oh, that's where that right? idea came from. That idea came from. Oh, maybe the live band is the Village Fates band or the Village okay, band. Right. That's yeah, where that. Yeah. That's where that thought process was. But I'm happy to abandon it. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've got the live band, but then what you could also do is that thing of like having recorded sound and stuff. Mm. Is you could do like recording that live for each performance and having it looped and then used back later yeah. you can have that within the band setting which is quite cool because then it's that feeling of like every 
single night there's a there's something even more organic in the performance that it's mm. not all just pre-recorded sound but it's being created in, in the space at the time because yeah. because there is a lot of backing music to the movie um so i think by having a having a live band there and even just having a band that sort of organically flows as you said you can get you can bring back the motifs quite nicely by using that over and over again yeah. and just having the band do something the first time live and then record it and then play it back later on in the show as well so this is the one making musical <laughs> I all not, the players we've not got not quite a musical but no, I mean no. so Mark Kermode talks about that like um, that the musical is the ideal form especially for a film but well he's talking about it in reference to a film but that the musical is the ideal form for like narrative storytelling um, or performative storytelling and that like everything is trying to be a musical so like if you watch Hot Fuzz <laughs> the way that Edgar Wright uses cutting uses movement uses blocking yeah. in relation to music and sound yeah. is the same as the way that uh, the ideal musical would mm. so uh, it kind of yeah. is a musical without needing yeah. for us to make it a musical you had it here for, uh, you heard it fuck <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks that's hard to say you heard it here first folks oh yeah, yeah <laughs> anyway okay so we've any, got space anywho um, yeah, we, so that's the, yeah that's the space that's the space. So let's go back to this sound thing. So you're saying we record it every night and then we play last night's performance the next night? What? No, no. <laughs> no. So like the bit you were saying about the murderer murderers and the repeating of that yes. is you record that audio on the night and then you repeat it back. You have like, someone yeah. in the oh, sound I box see. doing a live recording and then it's using like live that. It's back. Yeah. I understand now. I thought you were talking about the music and I was like, well, no. let's play it Why again. Yeah, <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> so confused. No, I mean, as in, like, so, yeah, you and you can even do that with the music and stuff and, yeah. and placing those things together so you can have it being, like, live... Live mix, mixing yeah, like, of all these different aspects that have happened in the past in the play and they all come together at the end I like into this kind of organic sort of finale mm, with all yeah. the sound. Okay. okay. So maybe that's a way of getting around some of this issue with the constant movement and the constant changing of location mm. is through the creation of sound on stage by the actors and by the band and how you bring those things together. Because, I mean, obviously, like, in the film, there's a kind of fascination with the way that you use sound. Mm. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's a way of utilising that to create location. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about when, when we saw Islanders in The Fringe. I mean, obviously, they do. They, it's the show where they create all of the, like, soundscapes with their mouths on stage and, and a loop pedal and yeah. it's just two two actors and they create all of these locations right, yeah i don't i'm not saying we do that but but i think that there's something in that we could we could be creating live soundscapes yes i think i think by by sort of integrating the sound into and using the sound a lot more heavily to rely on sort of setting the scene it does get it allows us to do those quick changes between different scenes as well mm. and we use the sound to sort of extend the period of the audience's belief that we are in a new location until we actually get to physically having yeah. set in the place where we need it. And a lot of the locations we see multiple times. So the yes. first time we see the location, for example, the pub, we could have the sound built from scratch. So the mm. like chatter and stuff, we could have it all slowly built from scratch in front of the audience. And then the next time we return to the pub, we're using that soundscape that we already created in front of the audience again, and they yeah. know they're in the pub. Yeah. I like that. I do really like that. So are we thinking... In terms of set design, then we're trying to keep this quite minimal. I I think you could you could have it sort of with a 
sort of village houses in the backdrop kind of mm. thing and then have everything build in front of that and almost have the houses seem to just sort of turn around and you get your inner in one of the buildings yeah because then what you especially for the last scene where he's walking through the town with like filled with like this kind of I'm going to purge everyone kind of thing. Yeah. He's just got a bunch of guns from the gun store and is just walking through town on a horse, which is another thing that we need to... Probably, probably won't use a horse. Yeah, probably need we'll to... We'll get, get the war horse guys in and yeah. we, we use a big puppet horse. <laughs> but the thing Even is... Before, then, they, they only ride a horse, I think, in one scene. In yeah. That, yeah. And it doesn't he, look very good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, also, but also, he just gets off the horse before he does anything yeah, as well. Yeah. He's just riding through on a white horse because it's kind of like metaphorical. Sure, but, but, oh, yeah! jumps off the horse yeah. and the horse is just gone yeah. so the horse just, never comes yeah. back yeah. it's all exactly. about using the western genre they had it, it for is. one day they had yeah. that horse for one oh, day oh yeah of course <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean like then you have the maximum stage space for that last scene and you can just make it as chaotic as possible if you have that backdrop of being just the town sort of street and then have yeah. everything build on top of that and kind of in, yeah in, in my head it's there. those kind of that kind of very traditional sliding on top of each other kind of flats yes. painted yes. flats sort of thing so that we can create all these different spaces a lot yeah. and the thing I've been thinking that I'm a bit embarrassed to throw out there but I think might be quite fun is a treadmill in the stage by which instead, I mean, instead of a rotating right, stage so to a treadmill like stage. not a revolve but a, a, yeah a, basically a, a conveyor belt on the stage just so we can have this kind of real running sense and it doesn't have to be particularly fast yeah. that, but things can move towards people and it could run quite a width the stage as well I also really want someone to stand at the end and just chuck like breakable flower pots on it and like for I them really to run through that. them exactly, in yeah. the chases because that would just... and the fences yeah. and yeah. there's a lot of stuff where I think actually I mean we talked we, I think we briefly discussed it when we were doing Attack the Block a while ago but I don't think it worked for that. But I think for this, actually, because the, the movements so many, are so yeah. linear and, and there's, there's so many, many of them, and it doesn't really matter where we're going so much. No, just that just we are moving. Yeah. Can we have someone yeah. dressed as a giant swan that they chase? <laughs> oh, the, sw- the swan plot point is a very interesting one because there's nothing that comes of it, really, in the end. Yeah, no, well, they, no there but, is. Like, the guy, the, the uh, dad at the end only crashes his car and doesn't because, get away yeah, because, because of this one. one but it's just like the most <laughs> MacGuffin kind of just point that's just there oh yeah. it's so good though <laughs> yeah okay I know I really like the idea of the treble that's quite good so you could have the houses and you could have the kind of traditional flats that I'm doing lots of hand movements for this <laughs> there's no benefit to that all the sort of traditional flats that slide in on stage to show yeah. different locations yeah maybe having the treadmill like right at the front of the stage so mm. all the chases are happening like right Very, in the yeah, prominent right. space um, uh, blind people um, uh, gesticulate by the way it's an eight <laughs> what <laughs> Random. You were talking before about no, I know, but that's just really. I know. I just I thought of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Yeah. Fair mm. enough. <laughs> that's a real curveball. Anyway, mm. um, we like curveballs. What are we talking about? Yeah, I really like the idea of just like you can just chuck stuff down those conveyor belts yeah. as well. That's so good as well. So then, do we want it that so like let's say all of when all of the flats are just pulled out like mm. as in off stage yeah then it's like that sort of cul-de-sac area that we see in the film which is where the main shootout takes place yeah and then as each of them comes in it changes location to like yeah that's kind of that's kind of what room. i had in my, in my head yeah yeah so it could it could kind of really fluidly go into the places but when when everything is said and done you return to that space between all the other spaces pretty much every time i really in, like that in, yeah in this film. that might get quite tedious we might find that we don't want to do that yeah time. but that's that's what happens in the film so if we're trying to go with the script we can move it around but yeah. that 
that's how it happens. So I think mm. by having that as the sort of just standard stage layout, yeah. you can then go from one, and it, as if he walks out the door, then you're in the street, and then he walks in another door, and he's kind of like... Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And on top of that as well, I'm thinking the police station, actually, mm. if we've got a limited budget, we could have a kind of downstage top floor area yes. that could be the police station, mm. and that could be always visible. And the lights could come up on it, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that could be above everything else that's going on. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I also cannot wait to give my stage management team nightmares by having to build a like model village that gets destroyed every night. (laughs) 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 But wait, but when it can when it conveyor belts on, everyone's gonna love it. Yeah, that's true. Gonna come. And that's so. And that's so. So because we were talking about as well that there's no establishing shots in this film because it's so fluidly filmic that it just every transition is done so well that it never needs to show you where it is. Fluidly filmic. But the only (laughs) that does make sense. Um, But the only place where they do an establishing shot is in the model village. So instead of having the establishing shot, because obviously we can't do that, if it's just the stage is suddenly empty and then just a model village slides (laughs) along the conveyor belt. So that is excellent. That's so funny. That's really funny. Um, So we've got the we've got the set. We've kind of got the sort of the way we'll stage it. Got the element of sound that we talked about. We talked a little bit about lighting earlier on, but maybe we could talk about how we can use lighting to show different space. Is yeah, um, I I think it it could be sort of mostly naturalistic, apart from like when something truly absurd happens, you can just push it more stylized. So kind of have the lighting mimic just what the audience is feeling, because then then it's not going to be noticed. And because it because it is a film that is set in what is perceivably possibly the real world, it means like if you try and use any like really really stylistic lighting you're just detracting from the comedy and the writing that is there already and especially as we possibly have so much set moving all the time we might want it to keep it quite simple to accentuate that I think we have two locations that kind of don't quite fit within what we've said and I think those two are A the kind of dark culty churchyard yes and B the um, supermarket yes I I think we could just wheel on just supermarket aisles filled with actual stuff and just have them smash it up and all that stuff. We need a lot of wing space. We're talking infinitely deep. We are, or just yeah. rising up out the stage, like oh, dear Evan Hansen plants. I know. I'm mentioning it. <laughs> I've listened to all the podcasts. I know you hate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think yeah, you definitely could have the the shop, the the shops just shop come, up. Yeah. come up and then go back down again. Yeah. Um, and then the churchyard. I think you would. You could just make that the the, the main street. Because then there's, there's yeah. something even more you, absurd about the fact that... The, they're this, having the meeting in the middle of the street. Because the, the secret cult is the whole village. Yeah, right? that is true. Um, I was just thinking, in terms of like when you talk about being style, when is it stylized, when yeah. is it not, is those moments where it is pushing the boundaries of reality are the moments where you can increase, yeah. increase how yeah, stylized. Exactly. So it, I was thinking about like in that scene in the churchyard when they were all shining their torches on him and you could do like blinders and then everyone have torches and you could mm. like you could even have them come into the audience and be like shining torches on the audience when they're looking for Angel yes, um, yes. and then in the chase scenes as well you can kind of like push the boundaries a bit on what the lighting yeah, is and you, and also especially in, in the moment at the very very start and the very end like there's so much movement that you could use like the aisles in the audience even yeah. to just kind of have that spill out in the absurd moments and then when everything's going quite normal, it stays on the stage and is yeah, quite sort of yeah. very standard. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, God, sorry. Well, I, the one, one thing that I was thinking kind of related to just difficult situations is there's a lot of montages. 
There are there are a few montages. I mean, the, it opens with the montage yeah. with Martin Freeman telling us all how great this sergeant is. Yes. I, I had an idea of how we did that one. Though. Go on then. He he basically because he wants a promotion, but he wants the promotion in London. It's like him presenting to them how great he is and like listing off all his achievements and having like a projection slideshow of all of these <laughs> things that he's done, just going through them one by one. I like. And that. then they sit here, go and go like, no, and then they get basically go up. Um, a level of sort of authority each time he says no can you can you please like not send me to this village and you can just have that really really small sort of boxed off lighting area because it's the very start um you can just have that sort of presentation going on then that kind of gives your montage in the in the sort of actual acting of the play yeah yeah i like that that's fun um, and it's very angel that he would kind of be arrogant without realizing he's being yes. arrogant as well. Yes, it's very arrogant. Um, my one thought as well was obviously before he goes down to uh, it's what Somerset or whatever, he goes to see his ex girlfriend to let yes. her know. Ah, um, uh, yes, <laughs> that actress got a raw deal. Yes. No, that whole scene is excellent. I th- yeah, <laughs> I think, so just all of this. I think there's not a line in that scene that kind of isn't just building up to the joke at the end as well so it's just perfect like and what is the joke at the end oh the, the window smashed like the, there's this entire sort of crime investigation team there and then the, the guy that's the, his girlfriend the main character's girlfriend is breaking up with him and is seeing someone else on this team and because they're all dressed the same he doesn't know who it is he goes you're, you're, you're going out with him it's like no the other guy and he just turns around and goes hello <laughs> oh and she says does he look like someone I go out with yeah, yeah. they all look, they all look the same that's very funny yeah I mean so I mean maybe there's a way of doing that and the great thing about that is you can also just reuse all of the cast you're going to use later yeah because you don't see any of them yeah know? yeah definitely yeah there's a lot of cast in here. I mean, character list. I've got, I think, at least thirty-five. You, with on with here. with doubling up, I think you could probably get it down to about twenty. That's still quite a lot. For it's a still, play. it's still, it's still a lot. It's the the problem with film is that they you can just introduce a character and kill them off. Yeah, straight I mean, away. like Steve Coogan, Martin Freeman, and Bill Nye can be one person. Yeah, that's that's easy. So that does three to one. Then you've got Nick. We could you could cut the Janine scene, even though it is funny. It's, it's funny. Um, it's a massive. But also, no, I think with with yeah. that you can double up almost everyone because that's you don't true. see anyone. Yeah, that's true. Um, then you've got some kids. That's gonna be annoying. You've got the Nick Frost character. Well, te- technically they're hooded youths, and come on, like people have been like getting away with twenty-year-olds playing twelve-year-olds yeah. for so long. I guess the difficulty is is that what they build in the film in the the police station and then the wider village is enough distinct characters that you would want them all to be there uh, yeah. like like I was thinking like oh cut one of the two Andes oh no but you want them to be the two Andes yes, yeah. exactly, that's yeah. what's so funny about yeah. it yeah. Um, so th- th- that is the challenge I, I think yeah. you could go with the core cast of the main village people yeah. and the people in the pl- police station I was going to say could they be played by the same people I think well, you need that separate. You need that separation. Yeah, they do. They yeah. fight. Yeah. That'd be very funny. <laughs> <laughs> They're just fighting themselves. No one's got a gun. They shoot and they run behind the thing. And then <laughs> Quick they costume get... change. That's really funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's an ensemble cast for sure. Yeah. It, and it's it is it is going to be a huge cast. Yeah. But there is still some stuff out there that gets cast of draws that you know cast of that sort of size. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jamie Lloyd just announced they're casting for Seagull. That's relatively big there's about 15 of them yeah. yeah and I mean if we were let's say we're making this slightly more 
real than the hypothetical theatre, it would be so easy to sell this. Oh, Oh, that's true. Yeah. Everyone loves Hot Fuzz. And if all you would need to do is persuade people that it is as good as the film, or at least close, and everyone would go and see it. Yeah, and if you're selling it levels of a musical then you can have a cast as big as yeah, that big exactly that is a good point um, should we talk special effects oh, yeah. all, all the murders oh my god That's all the murders what, this is where my mind's been going it's just like how do we do a bit of a cathedral falling on a man's head <laughs> and his head exploding 100, 100% that's easy that's done, it's done. <laughs> okay well let's start there yeah. how do we do that well that's not the first death though no but let's start okay we'll start there no reason yeah we'll start there so because he's just standing still waiting to meet um, Nicholas about about like exposing this kind of underground cult you just have like a dummy with basically a head filled with like just fake blood and you have it on a line that just comes down and just spurts the blood everywhere because he can just be standing there yeah. He's not actually needs to move and he can be quite far upstage. You can light it so it looks like a person and even just get a sort of plaster cast model of the actor's face. Right. And right. just explode Man. his head yeah. every night. So you're okay, so you're paying for a new dummy every day. It's just a dummy's head. Okay, a new dummy's head every day. <laughs> this is going to be the most upstage. expensive straight play ever produced. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> we, we're rebuilding this model village that we destroy. We're rebuilding a mod, uh, like a dummy full of blood in its head. And, we're, ha- and we're having a massive treadmill on yeah, The yeah. model village has to be re- remakeable. There must be some way of doing that. Yeah, yeah. There has yeah. to be. Um, then, then there's the car crash, which yeah, is actually just an axe killing. So they, they get killed with an axe in their dressing room is yes. how they actually die yeah. and then it, gets, the car, yeah, it yeah. gets framed as a car crash afterwards yes. and obviously it's easy to make a car appear on stage so yes because that's in a complete scene transition oh so you <laughs> no, thought I was being no, serious no, no I'm, I'm, I'm joking um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a whole it's a whole you could basically just have like the the back end or front yeah, end yeah just coming off the wing yeah and have them sort of huddled around that corner mm-hmm. and then come out and sort of like do the scene on the actual stage so you only need to do like a tiny bit of the car like maybe a Kind of the small piano-sized section. Yeah. Of the car. We small love pianos. Piano, yeah. We love pianos. <laughs> okay, uh, what other deaths are there? Okay. Okay. There's the house explosion. Yes, blowing okay. up a house. That is. That's just pyro. Like it's not just pyro. They blow up a mansion. Maybe we do. <laughs> and pyro. then they blow up the police station. They the do blow up the police station. I've got that one. Maybe okay. So maybe you do pyro and projection for the mansion. I, th- I think projection could work quite well. I think well you'd as have well. to, yeah. and that kind of works because the mansion looks so out of place. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of works. Different idea. Okay. You know how that scene is cut up with the them watching Point Break. Actually. Oh yes, it is. Um, yes. It, so it's it's cut up with that. So how about we just we just do the Point Break scene what? and and. We just hear the explosion. We just pretend it's quite. We have close. a ball of fire coming from okay. off stage. We don't even have to see it. We, <laughs> just, we can just, just hear, hear about it. Because actually, yeah. everything we see there. Okay, yes, the idea in the film is that the audience the whole time knows exactly how the yeah, murders are taking place. Exactly. There's never a moment right. when the audience thinks that Simon Pegg's making it up. Yeah, yeah. But for that one, if they if we see it for the other ones, we'll believe him for this one. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So we could just not see. Then it. the other ones are Garden Shears. Into the oh, you can do that. you that's can kind do of that. just retractable shears, retractable, retractable shears, shears retractable, retractable jugular. That's <laughs> that's all it is. Um, that's very doable though. Yeah, in it's comparison. Yeah. yeah. In comparison to the others, I think that's probably and you just all, all you do is you just have the actor grab the shears, you know. Yeah, and then you retract, have a pump, then, pump yeah. in there, and it just sprays. Okay, cool. Next thing I've got is um, make a hooded figure suddenly appear out of the darkness. 
this is, I think, it's one that's definitely doable, but it's just interesting. I yeah, think. I think yeah. It's, it's one of those things where because everyone in the village is the hooded figures, mm. I think you could have the kind of idea where, especially, like, in the end, they explain, like, the one reason about... He, Angel almost caught one of the hooded figures after the shears killing, but how they got away with it is they jumped through a hedge lay down on the floor and there was another hooded figure already halfway across the field running so Angel just gave up chasing them. Mm. So you could do that kind of idea but actually, like, actually to the audience where you, you have kind of that one person goes behind a flat and then they just either stay there and just go off with the flat yeah. and then that, that person appears somewhere else on stage. Uh, we do a Neil Patrick Harris Tony Award where he appears at the back <laughs> yes. of the auditorium. Yeah, something, something along, along those yeah. lines kind of thing. That, yeah, that really works because you can use anyone in the hood. You can use anyone because, because that is exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, and if, if the audience does notice it, that's another little sort of nod to the audience that they are going to be understanding something that the main character does not. Yeah, yeah definitely. I like that. I like, I like that, that a lot. Let's talk about the police station blowing up. Okay, <laughs> yes. Because we mean, need to find <clears throat> Nick Frost and the rubble afterwards as well. Yes, we do. Oh, man. That is just so much. Well, you can, you can get, like, styrofoam rubble. We okay. could drop it. Yeah, you can just drop it. You can like, have drop it having... and then immediately clear it and have a graveyard. No, 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 but you don't need to do that because you just have the graveyard. You, you, you drop the, the rubble at the back yeah. and then you just have the graveyard at the front and you just like the front Ooh, of the stage. Yeah, yeah let's use gauze. Yes. Let's get yes. gauze in here. Yes. That's we can right. use that to, cr- to to move between scenes even quicker because we only need to change set in one place. Yeah. yeah. And then you can change set all behind what's yeah. doing a scene. Yeah, if we have yeah. two levels of gauze, and yeah. then at any one time we can only see two thirds of the stage. Yeah. We can go quite far. We can go quite far upstage for a scene and then come back down to the front of the stage. Yeah. yeah. We wouldn't want to go one, two, three, one, two, three, but something along yeah. those lines. Exactly. Yeah. I think that, that would work. That would work. Definitely. That would definitely work. And then you can do all the rubble. Well, this is what I was thinking about. When you're saying about like the exploding head and then like all this different random stuff coming on stage and being destroyed, is that actually by the end of the show, you know, even if you if you're doing the kind of one two three thing, you could do like a kind of like furthest back middle f- front thing where we're slowly just destroying the stage so that it can't moving be used forward, yeah, moving forward. at all for the rest of the performance. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so by the end, when the lights come up the and they do the, the battles, yeah. the whole stage is just a mess yeah. of just absolute rubble, chaos. destruction, chaos, yeah. everything. Yeah. I think and then we have to do the handbrake turn of the car that is the last car. <laughs> <laughs> With the little hot fuzz. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. yeah. you know what? I don't think we can do that one. I think that no, one's just not going to happen. I think that one's slightly, slightly too far. Sadly not. Um, I, we, like, I like, because sometimes, sometimes we, we change stuff and sometimes we really just try to stick to the film yeah. on the stage. I think, that's, I think that's what you've got to do with this one. Right? Yeah. Because like, this people is, know it so much. Well. Yeah, and it's, it's so, so good. good. It's yeah. so good. It deserves to have it be all of the fun and excitement and craziness of that mm. original film just on stage, just yeah. as is. And there's no... It's not like... Because actually, as a premise, it's not that strong, but actually, as a film, it is so strong. Whereas last week, we, was, we were talking about a really strong premise, but a less good film. So, yeah, I think it's that kind of thing of, like, actually, it needs to go on stage as it was in the film, yeah. as far as possible. As, yeah. yeah, as close as we can get. Okay. Okay. Um, the shootout. Yeah. Yes. So all, all the guns. Yeah. Well, all the all the guns come from this old farmer's like storage room that he's just dug up in his. Oh field. yeah, that's a fun prop as well. The mine. The <laughs> mine. Yeah, the actual <laughs> mine. The actual sea mine that is just on stage. Um, cool. Can that be like Chekhov's sea mine? Can it just be on stage the whole time? They, well, they move it. They move it to the the police station. Yeah. In this evidence like, room, so because the evidence so. room be like, the, you know how we said the police station is like above the stage. Yeah. So if it's just hanging. 
above the stage. Yeah, they just the br- like production. yeah, just like put everything in boxes they and hang just it raise it up, and yeah. then it just drops. <laughs> and then that could be how we explode the police station. It yeah. all drops down. Yeah. But Nick has to get guns fuck, out. And but stuff, you yeah. could. Oh no, but that's good because you, you can just you could have them go oh no they all run off stage then the police they drop yeah. explosion drop all the rubble yeah yeah, yeah. I was just thinking um, the, what you said about Chekhov's gun yeah there, there is that in that when he enters the swan at the beginning there's the guy sat there with the, the two swords yes. and then they end up having the sword, sword fight. fight oh yeah it literally like the film che- has the, a Chekhov's gun yeah. like, the swan is like a Chekhov's gun well, at this yeah. moment as well there's just so many of them yeah. anyway yeah I mean yeah in the shootout we can use oh yeah uh, what were we talking about the shoot? We were, shootout, yeah. yeah, we were talking about the shootout. The, the, the guns, yeah, so they're all from this old farmer. Yeah, they're all, but they're all, they're all just like really, really high-tech guns. Yeah, they're um, like, that's the crazy thing, Yeah, right? is that they're like cutting-edge, like military-grade. Yeah, and this, <laughs> old, this old farm has them with a sea mine. I found them, is yeah. what he says, I found them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's just going to be a lot of pyro, a lot I've, of like... Well, because no one actually gets shot... But that's because it's a PG movie. We can but, very easily. But, that, but, but that's the thing. That makes I mean, it easy what? for us to just explode stuff not around PG. people. You know it's I mean. a 15. Not a PG. It's a 15. It's a 15. They explode a man's head. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't have the gore that will make it yeah. No, no, No one gets, like, no one actually gets shot. So we don't have to put, like, squibs or anything on people. Mm. And even if we did want people to get shot, we could put squibs on people. It's yeah. just a lot of getting sugar glass things and sort of fracture things that we put yeah. a little, little pyro in that just explodes when someone pulls a trigger. Yeah. And if Which, we're doing the idea of slowly destroying the whole stage, yeah. the, the upstage, you can use the upstage for the first bit of the shootout yeah. and, and just like, it can just be glass and yeah. pottery. Everywhere, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. We like that. There is a fun thing in the movie though where the shotguns are missing triggers. Are they? <laughs> yeah. I noticed it on the rewatching of it and I was like, How's he going to fire them? Well, you know what I noticed when I rewatched is that the uh, fire choreography between... Um, what's his name? Yar? What's his name? That, yeah, Yarp that, guy. That Yarp yeah. guy. Yeah. And Simon Pegg is really bad. It's not amazing. No. You can really tell that they're not touching each other. Yeah, and you also can tell that they're just, like, are not going for it either. Like. Yeah, which I quite like. It's as like a just like <laughs> yeah. There is something about the the film is kind of emulating like eighties cop shows. Oh yeah, it's right. taking oh, it's, it's taking like, a in in an interview. Edgar Wright said he he watched over like over a hundred different cop show like cop shows oh, and cop man. movies and buddy I, cop movies. That must to, have been unbearable <laughs> to, to write to write like the epitome of what this show like what this whole genre is about and yeah. just make it his own. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where it does have influences from a lot. But you can use that kind of hamminess of, of that yeah, stuff as definitely. well. And, and, and that almost works better on stage, the really theatrical, like, hammy, like, overacting. Yeah. Almost works better in a, in a, in a stage and, setting. And it is a comedy, so people are going to be sort of laughing at it rather than kind of trying to pick holes in it if it was actually, like, framed as a serious thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these jokes deserve a laugh-out-loud audience that is ready to do that and yeah. respond as well. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, okay, so... Here's what we've got so far. We've got a prosk end-on kind of race stage traditional yeah. space. We have a conveyor belt somewhere on the stage that brings stuff on and on, that mm-hmm. on and off, and that gives us the movement. We've got these flaps that slide on and off to change location. We have bits of gauze that we can use to move stuff around without people noticing. We have hooded figures that basically every cast member can put a hood on at any point and appear anywhere. Uh, we have a live band. Yeah, we have a we're live band. We're still using that. Yeah, no, we, <laughs> we are. We are. Yeah, got, I think it's a good idea. We've got a live band that recreate the reuses sound that they make earlier in the production. We have fight choreography. We have loads of special effects. 
we have uh, lighting that we might need to blind the audience for, yeah, for, for explosions. We might need to use red and dark lighting for other situations. Um, we've got the torches and the candlelight for the cult scene, which I think is really cool. Yes. At the end, we're destroying absolutely everything on stage. The whole stage we're dropping yeah. rubble. We're doing all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I think there only remains one question. Where does the Cornetto come in? Oh, man! <laughs> well, they eat, they eat the Cornetto in the police car, don't they? Yeah. I, I think, think we have to be more obvious than that. For the bows, <laughs> a giant Cornetto has flown in. <laughs> no, I, th- I, think, I think we do something where, like, you know how in, t- in the interval, like, you get, like, those little pots of usually, like, Hundas ice cream or something. You just yeah. ha- only have Cornettos oh, for the that audience. That is so good. That, I, I really that. like that. I love and that. Nothing, like, they, they eat them on stage as just small prop items. But that you don't actually like make it too obvious, and you only sell cornettos in the interval. You know that thing some shows do where they start bef- with before they start. Yeah, we could just have them in the police car eating a cornetto before the interval ends. I really yeah. like that. And then, and then that, okay, really so like... that was the other thing I was going to talk about. Where would you put the interval? That well, that's yeah, yeah, exactly my yes. my thought. My thought was that you put it. Um, I, I, I would open the second act with the village fair, like village fair. Okay, so I would. I would end the first act with a village fate. Ooh. Because it's kind of a climactic yeah. moment halfway well, it's, through. It's the guy getting his head exploded. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I, the reason I put it um, before then yeah. is because the very, very start of that, sort of the village fair, is where uh, Simon Pegg's character is actually starting to figure things out. So if you have that break over the interval, you give him an excuse to have thought about things and have that kind of almost movie-esque jump to a conclusion. Um, it kind of works afterwards as well because he doesn't get any more information during that scene. It just yeah. I guess that's my thing is is that um, I guess it depends where you want to put the thinking. Is it before the village fate and he's going into the village fate really paranoid, really like yeah. worked up, or is it that you want to do the whole the village fate happens, the death happens? He's like, this is definitely a murder, and they're all like, no, just go home or whatever. Yeah. And then you have the thinking that yeah. the audience doesn't see. Either one works. So are you saying then after the garden shears incident then? No, 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 I'm saying after the village fate. Yeah. Because it's after the village fate that he then... Because the village shears is on Danny's birthday, isn't it? Yeah, because for me that's the climax. The climax of the tension is when he is in that police room screaming at them, these are murders, and they're all yeah. like, shut So up. that has to happen in the second act, yeah. is yeah. what I'm saying. I'm 100%. saying the village fate happens, you have that bit in the rain where Danny's like, why don't you just give up? Well, you know, like, this is... And nice. that's how you end the... And that's how you end the first act. Yeah. That, that, def- either, that definitely works quite well. Either works, I think. Probably just depend on technical elements and setup and things like that. Yeah, that's probably. definitely it. And I guess my worry is about how long, because often second acts are shorter just in general. Yes. Um, I, I think that's also quite nice because, especially if you're going at it from the buddy cop angle, that's where their their friendship kind of deteriorates. Mm. And that's the lowest point in their friendship. So it kind of works as that splitting point if you're, because it, it's to be supposed to be a buddy cop movie. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the natural point to put put it if it was a buddy cop movie rather than this whole conspiracy murder mystery movie. Yeah, it's kind of got these two plots going on. Yeah, and I think for the murder mystery you put it before the village fair. For the buddy cop you put it after. Okay, so it's just about whichever you bring want to accentuate. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, um, I think with your with the second act being shorter, most of the last third of the film is just like pure ultra violence, and so. You can make that as long or short as you like, and you can make it as interesting or uninteresting as you like. I suppose so, yeah. Interesting until it becomes uninteresting, and then you kind of cut it down. Yeah. We don't have to see every character killed like we do in the movie. <laughs> that is true. Um, yes, that is true. Yeah, okay, cool. Is there anything else you want to discuss? I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, I think, I, well, there's one character that is very, very sort of like early 2000s, 
that I think might not resonate with audiences. Is this the woman, Olivia Colman? Yeah, the yeah. woman in the police station. I, I thought it held up because I've seen it quite a few times recently. I thought it held up better than I expected it. To. Yes, it does hold up like because it's slightly less overt than I remember it being. I think it is overt, but I think it's overt in a way in which it is to me it reads as very very clearly look I'm the only woman in this film and I'm clearly like it's a joke that I am being sidelined like this yeah Yeah. and and her her as a character she has control of the joke at all times as well other than right at the end yes yes that is true but it but that that is about Simon Pegg's character becoming like part of the gang yeah so I guess whatever yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, there were just that, those kind of moments where if you don't make it obvious enough, I think it could go down really badly. Well, in my head, I don't know about but, you guys, but in my head, like the Martin Freeman, be a Bill Nye character that we can put together, that yes. can easily be a woman. Um, there are loads of characters yes. in this film that like just could be women that just aren't in the film. That's but true. They yeah. don't need to be men by any stretch of imagination. You could even yeah. even gender swap the two main characters. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's, like, it's it more about matter. just their view on the world. Than yeah. Any of their genders, yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess there is something in it about like the sort of homoeroticism of that their friendship. Well, yeah, the just... buddy cop kind of classic, <laughs> yeah. Because, like, because they, it's funny because they don't do buddy cop things; they do romantic rom com yeah, things. Exactly. And that's, that's, the, like, that's just the whole, yeah, because yeah. the whole point is that he he leaves. Like his ex girlfriend has left him, and then he goes and finds new love in having a good mate. Which yeah. is, yeah, exactly. It's so it's just it's so excellent the way that they. But I think that reads the other way. Yeah, no, yeah. It, no, it, yeah. Do, it does read the other yeah. way. I suppose there's something. Yeah, it's just a slight difference in the the kind of male and female friendships and how they mm. read yeah. on stage. But either you could just make work anyway, yeah. so yeah. it wouldn't matter. And if we were doing this for real, we'd have women on the team and we'd get their input and we'd see where it went. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think that's great. That's a, that, it's so much better than I expected going in because I was it's like, this a is a one, nuts film. And like we said early on, like. It's a film that is such a film, yeah. And so to to even start thinking about trying to put it on stage, yeah. I mean, my ideas bit says, how do you do Martin Freeman's voiceover montage? It moves a lot. Chases. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the entire thing summarized. I think. Yeah. Quite well. Um, Okay. In that case, Harvey, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really good fun. Awesome. Um, Is there anywhere people can contact you? Do you want to advertise your upcoming productions, your production company? Um, well, I many, too many upcoming productions, I think, I must say. So, yeah, just go to www.doubleoproductions.co.uk. That's double O with two zeros. And, yeah, I'll be doing, hopefully, a lot more in the future. Awesome. Loads by the sounds. It's very exciting yeah, stuff. really yeah. exciting stuff coming up. Caleb, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Lebster. That's C-A-L-E-B-L-E-B-E. Nope. Oh man. C A L E B S T E R. Yes. Been a little while since right. we recorded. Okay, I've got it in my head. Gosh. Okay. Uh, good. Yeah. Where can people find you online? And the second week in a row, Caleb has forgotten to ask me where people can find me. <laughs> I am on Twitter at Jake Reesh. That's J A K E R E E S H. And we are Maybe You Like It Productions, and this is the Maybe You Like It podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Maybe You Like It, or on Twitter and Instagram at Maybe You Like It with a text speak U. That's Maybe You Like It. 
or you can visit our website at www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk or drop us an email at info at maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Is there any other way they can contact us? I think that's it. Trace them in the streets. Or chase them in the streets. Um, If you did enjoy that, then please do leave us a review, like us, share us with friends, all the kind of stuff that you do with things you like. Please do that. (laughs) (laughs) Not all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise... We're making our handbrake turn now. Oh, no. Something like that. Why have you done that? <laughs> Maybe you like that. Maybe you didn't. Yay. Thank you very much. That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. <laughs>